Welcome back to Nostalgia. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. I'm Pat Sheehan. Dave, did you watch the VMAs this week? <laughs> no, you didn't. Everybody has a cross to carry, Pat, but not that kind of cross. Well, guess what? 3.3 million people less watched it this year than last year. That's it? I know that's a huge drop, but that's, I didn't know that many people watched it. So. That's a pretty significant drop. However, yeah. their streams were off the charts, which is what they're pointing to as, oh, we still had a very successful show. Everybody is streaming parts of it that they want to see. So obviously it's good content, which you can... Is a fair <laughs> Good content? It's, it's interesting. It has people tuning in. People want to see celebrities and see them do... That's what it's designed for. Crazy things. No one cares about video awards on their own. They just care about celebrities and the Miley Cyrus, Nicki Minaj thing happening or Kanye doing something crazy or Beyonce being a great performer. That's what they care about. But that's why I feel like this is such a redundant award show. That's why I don't care. I'll just see what happened after the fact and that's exactly what I did. Well, we're jumping right into it, but I want to say we have a really packed show. So before we get too deep into the VMAs, just to give you a preview, we're going to be talking on a bunch of things. We're going to be mentioning our thoughts on Gene Wilder passing away. We're going to be talking the night of, some Batman news, and also some some music news. So Dave, jumping back into the VMAs, there were a couple of moments that really stood out, but I want to start with, hmm. with something that didn't happen at the VMAs. What's that? Taylor Swift was not there. Yeah. Jury duty. The queen presiding over Nazir Khan. <laughs> <laughs> if she was, and I'm going to guess that she thought he was guilty. Yeah, what side of the hung jury was Taylor Swift on? Yeah, guilty. she was like, spoiler alert, first of all. Hope, hope you won't watch the night up. We've only been spoiling it, like, four of the last seven <laughs> weeks. So, fucking deal. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Taylor Swift, do you really think she's at jury duty? Do what? celebrities go to jury duty? Is that a thing? No, she definitely has to be dismissed because I feel like she just naturally would have sway over... Uh, us plebeians in the jury like oh taylor you think that maybe i'll agree with you so you can take an extra selfie with me later like i don't know you know it's stupid but i don't think celebrities have a jury duty that often you don't hear about it i mean you would think it would be in uh, us weekly or one of those other paparazzi magazines imagine if taylor swift was in in a, a court case where it was like a murder, like a murder of passion, because a boyfriend cheated on her girlfriend, and the girlfriend <laughs> and killed him. Yeah, she she can't she cannot preside over that. We already know her thoughts. She would give him the death penalty. Yeah, she, so. well, they, they wouldn't let her. They would cite her whole career and professional work and say you have a uh, predisposed opinion on this matter. We're going <laughs> to let you go, Miss Swift. For that hypothetical sake, I really hope she was not jury duty. She just didn't want to be there, though, right? This is a power move. Clearly, by Swift. Well, because Beyonce was going to be there, and, and she can't get the, the shine. No. And she doesn't want to, she doesn't, she, she knows better. Taylor Swift knows better than to go at Beyonce. She'll try and go at Kim Kardashian, which we uh, went in on a few <laughs> weeks ago. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod if you missed it. Taylor Swift is a snake. It's been proven. But either way, she was very smart. She, she knows what she's doing professionally. And she did not show up for good reason, I think. She is a master of her image, for sure. So we should kind of jump around because I, I don't know how much more I can say about Taylor Swift it's not fine. showing up. That's, that's good enough. So there were a lot of somewhat big moments i mean this is a seemed like a pretty lackluster vmas there wasn't yeah, any huge... that, that's the general consensus is that it was lame how much did your nostalgic 
thirteen year old self feel? How how bad did you feel when Britney Spears didn't get the, the shine she deserved? Well, it just seems like she got the shaft by being slotted after Beyonce having. Why would they do that? And also, Beyonce had a ton of time. Like, wasn't like fifteen minutes. Yeah, and she did the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> When does it stop being a medley of Lemonade and just being a live performance of Lemonade, you know? Right. We were on that borderline at the VMAs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just... Br- Britney definitely got the scheduling shaft there. And also, she leads with that song she has with G-Eazy, her single that has not taken off, several weeks old. It's not that popular because it's a pretty mediocre song. And then she goes into not one of her hits, like Toxic or something. She goes into G-Eazy's Me, Myself, and I doing the hook on that. <laughs> So, I don't know, it's just an inter- interesting choice all around. My favorite part of the whole performance, I, I, I watched it very quickly, was at one point g was was singing and Britney Spears literally comes up behind him. I don't even think he, he knew mm. she was going to do this. And just puts her hand between her crotch, yeah. and, and between his crotch, and just like grabbed him right in the dick. Right. He didn't even move. He was a true professional. He's a boss. It, so. listen, listen to g lyrics. He's all about that. <laughs> I saw him in Barclays Center not that long ago. Check that out. Sci-fi.com slash NostalgiaPod stay plug-in so something else you mentioned beyonce yeah jay-z did not come to this this show what's he gonna do sit there while he gets basically (laughs) flogged metaphorically on stage by his wife i don't think he cares he's fine you don't think he cares it's one of those token shows that he just is above he has nothing to say he's a minimalist like his wife if he's not gonna perform he wouldn't show up kanye will show up just to talk (laughs) <laughs> do, and they, they were like, hey, Kanye, do something. Basically, what he And did. he didn't really do anything that crazy. He's just, here, here's a music video for one of the worst songs in Life of Pablo. But you think Fade is one of the worst songs? It's not good. Oh, if it's, you want to hear fine. more about that, go check out our podcast. Dave mentioned where to find it twice. Like Episode it. two. It's got the Cornball Post Malone on it, dog. It's not a good song. <laughs> what did you think about the video having Iman Shumpert in it? Your boy. Shout out, Shump. And He's goats. definitely profiting off of his wife, Tion Taylor. Or they engage. I don't know. But they have kid. Yeah, that's funny. I don't know. I'm happy Shump's still a thing because his his basketball plays is inconsistent. Kanye's <laughs> Kanye's such a weird dude. And he's got a ring with the cap, so good for Shump. He's a champion. Yeah. <laughs> Another Kanye song. Kanye seemed to be kind of boring, like you mentioned. I mean, it's typical Kanye. who went to rant. He also knows what he's doing. If he doesn't have anything crazy to say, he's not going to just do, do it for the hell of it. He always has a plan. Right. He's the same way as Taylor Swift, but his opposite ends of how they go about it. Mm-hmm. No, a- absolutely. And it was actually really, really interesting because I didn't actually listen to what Kanye said because I wasn't Me really either. like... I, I saw. I looked at the pictures. I saw a transcript. I thought the pictures were, eh, okay. But it seemed like on Twitter, it's basically just people waiting for Kanye and then he comes out and starts talking. I know Shay Serrano was mm. riding hard for what Kanye was, was dishing out. Love Shay. Shay's a great Twitter follow. He's just positive all the time. And, and it, never his, his writing on TheRinger.com is crazy ridiculous like the stuff that he writes about <laughs> is insane but he actually did a really awesome total sidebar but he did a awesome breakdown of alec baldwin's monologue from glenn gary glenn ross mm-hmm. where he goes off about making sales and it's like the most badass speech ever just for closers yeah for coffees for closers abc always be closing <laughs> we're about abp always be plugging because i thought a complex nostalgia pot <laughs> it's up to three up to three yeah it's good anything else from VMAs I think we've spent mention. enough time on it. It's you fine. don't want to mention the chain smokers, how the dude can't sing? Or how yeah, corny it, Drake is? We know Drizzy's corny, that's fine. Corny I don't feel like fuck. we I don't think we gained any new information. Well basically Drake did, did Drake did some Drake things, that's fine. He stays in the friend zone with Rihanna. Nah, they're not in the friend zone, dog. They're dating. I don't know it's funny though. She didn't find it funny. Yeah, no, she didn't. The chain smokers dude, Andrew, whoever, the one who does the singing, 
He needs some work, needs some practice, gotta stick to <laughs> those low notes. Yeah, but for the number one song in the country for the second week in a row, you would have thought the performance would have got uh, a better reception. So that's unfortunate for them. But I don't think they're, it's okay. The song's killing it on all the charts. Lastly, your boy Mac Miller dating Ariana Grande. Good for him. Knew this was coming because they made out in the My Way video way back on Ariana's first album. So they had some history. Interesting. <laughs> it's also a nice power move for Mac with his album coming out in September, Divine Feminine. So I see what you're doing there, Mac. <laughs> It's <laughs> a move forward. At the end of last week's episode, we pro- I promised I would talk about the concert I went to the- this past weekend, Prophets of Rage. Mm. Not really much to say about it. Prophets of Rage is a band comprised of DJ Lord and Chuck D from Public Enemy, Be Real from Cypress Hill, and then Tom Morello, Tim Comerford, and Brad Wilk from uh, Rage Against the Machine. Right. It was an awesome concert. It's it's interesting. There's not much rock made like this anymore. And it was oh. basically a Rage Against the Machine concert with yeah, it seems like that's the Hill, Public Enemy presiding influence yeah. of the group. Which is 99% of the crowd was there to see Rage Against the Machine. The sure. only two people there not to see Rage Against the Machine were actually sitting right in front of me. They really want to see a lot of Cypress Hill, which I think they were very disappointed with how expensive those tickets probably were for them. <laughs> the vocals weren't great. Obviously, it's not Zach De La Rocha, who is a huge star from Rage Against the Machine. If you aren't familiar with his work with Rage Against the Machine, you should check it out. But also, he is on Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck, single from Run the Jewels. Great song. He does the chorus, the hook, and the last verse. Mm, right. So definitely, I would recommend going to see them. It was a huge mosh pit on the floor. I'm glad it was not down there. <laughs> but something we can both talk about. We are going to see Kanye in October. We're not going to see his tour set up. Not the St. Pablo tour, which just started. And that looks pretty dope. Yeah. So Kanye's a visionary. His concerts are always interesting. He's a story of the pyramid. Yeah. Now he literally has a stage that's suspended 30 feet off the ground. You have to be kind of pissed if you bought floor tickets, which are usually the most expensive, and you're right below him on the suspended stage, right? luckily I was able to interact with a first-person primary source who saw the St. Pablo tour in Syracuse, Rochester, wherever it stopped up, up in the wasteland of western New York. <laughs> he was in the pit, and he said that he was initially concerned, but it actually went really well. Kanye moved around a lot around the stage, and he thought it was awesome. Awesome. So that's good to hear. That's it looks cool. That, that's an awesome thing. Yeah, it's a very interesting idea, very creative. Kanye, for as much of a weirdo as he is, is a genius. So I can't wait Just to see him. ask him if he, if he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he'll tell you. Why don't we jump to some movie news? A legend passed away yesterday mm. mr gene wilder indeed of willy wonka fame blazing saddles blazing saddles young frankenstein young frankenstein my personal favorite of his interesting thing is he hasn't acted in like 25 years he stopped is it interesting i was just he was doing really good and then just kind of stopped he could have kept going but maybe he didn't want to robert de niro himself you know <laughs> just sell out and do lesser movies for doing no real reason because you don't need the money. Doing the, the intern? Little Fockers. Yeah, li- Little Fockers. Grudge Match. Terrible, Dirty Grandpa. Junior, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> but yeah, Gene Wilder, man. That's unfortunate. He's old, though, you know. It happens. Yeah. So what was your favorite Gene Wilder movie? I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I've got, I'm familiar with them, though. Sure. He's really good in Blazing Saddles. I feel like more people check that out. Mel mm-hmm. Brooks, obviously. He's yep. the guy, Waco kid. He's like the criminal in the jail. Those movies are really funny. Also quite offensive in certain aspects, but he's really good in them. But I feel like you gotta go with Willy Wonka. No. Just... I hated Willy Wonka. Really? Willy oh, wow. Wonka, I, it's a good that's, movie. That's a hot take. Willy Wonka is a good movie. 
Just like I sure. know Alice in Wonderland is a good story, I hated both of them. Okay, they that's creep fair. me out. Like something about oh, it you know, there is there is there's inherently creepy aspects about me- lots and lots of stuff in that that story. And Gene Wilder, you really, blame Roald Dahl though; he wrote the book, right? Gene Wilder really brings Willy Wonka to life. I mean, he's a pretty conflicted and strange character, but Gene mm. Wilder. Apparently, a story I didn't know about him until he died recently, which is kind of unfortunate, was that initial walk-up where you finally see Willy Wonka and he's like staggering with the cane like an old man that he trips and falls was actually improvised by Gene Wilder. That wasn't in the script. Interesting. So, I mean, obviously very talented person. Young, young Frankenstein, I would definitely recommend checking out. He's yeah. very funny awesome man. Awesome Dr. Frankenstein. Yep, awesome Mel Brooks. But moving on to some more positive movie news. DC Comics has a lot of flaws. We'll just uh, on the be, screen. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be straightforward with that about the movies. Their villains have kind of sucked so far. I mean, General Zod was good, but he's dead. And then he was brought back to life very briefly. Love Michael Shannon, too. And in a very inappropriate way as Doomsday, which we talked about at nauseum. That's one of our best uh, episodes. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. BVS They had, in uh, the most recent Suicide Squad, I guess the villain was Cara Delevingne as Enchantress. Correct. And her brother Incubus, don't forget, he wasn't even named. (laughs) And it seems like she was a little little in over her head and not very well developed as as a villain. Yep, and just sexualized for no reason. And let's see, who are some other villains that have been in it? I guess it was... That's it, there's three movies. Lex Luthor, that's who you're forgetting. Lex Luthor. He's still in. He's in jail. Yeah, but... His performance, played by Jesse Eisenberg, polarizing. was very polarizing. I know that you enjoyed it. Just like it. the Joker. I did not very much. Joker wasn't even a villain. I mean, what what was the Joker? Character. He didn't need to be in there. We talk a lot about that. SoundCloud.com slash now. A lot of Suicide Squad. If you haven't gone there yet. Thoughts. And the villain for Batman movie with the Ben Batman. Affleck. The Batman. Yeah. Also Directed and starring Ben Affleck. Possibly appearing in the Justice League coming out. I up. think that's obvious. Deathstroke. Yeah. Ben so, Affleck tweeted from his official account good like 40 minutes of test footage real footage of deathstroke and full armor 40 minutes 40 like seconds oh okay i was gonna say i only saw the the brief clip yeah no, no, no. i didn't know uh, there's no audio either and he's like in like a, like a c-140 or some like big cargo plane okay and, like he's in full deathstroke the traditional armor looks really awesome well deathstroke is kind of a fringe villain for batman i guess maybe not fringe he just but hasn't he's been not in the movies well known yeah so yeah. can you explain who what his character kind of is yeah he's just like a, a badass killing machine he's a mercenary a slade wilson's his name he was a big villain of the teen titans so if you watch that cartoon and you watch young justice he's a huge part of okay. that he was in arrow season two which happens to be the best season of arrow that's where he was really good a uh, really interesting character there he was most recently in Batman Arkham Origins as a bad okay. guy, uh, the video game. I saw someone tweet out uh, a gif of Batman and, and Deathstroke fighting in the video game. It looked pretty intense. Oh, yeah, that might have been Injustice as well, which is like a, like a Street Fighter game. Yeah, he's very popular with comic and DC fans in general, and I actually think it's a really awesome choice just because you haven't seen Deathstroke on screen before in any of the Burton or Nolan or DCEU films yet. We won't have a portrayal that nat- naturally compare him against and find ways to critique the character we'll just have this new character which if it hits could be really great it's kind of a similar thought to deadshot in suicide squad a a lead that no one was really familiar with before so i'm optimistic about it. i think because we're seeing this footage it's almost certainly from justice league Mm -hmm. and maybe he makes a small appearance in there maybe 
rescues Lex Luthor from jail, does something else. Maybe, Maybe Amanda Waller hires him to kill Batman because, like, you know, it's a secret. I don't know. Now we're just digging, but sure. It'd be interesting to see if he gets like a soft introduction in Justice League before getting a, a feature role in the Batman. You know how you make movie universes work. I would imagine so because it seems like Steppenwolf has been kind of confirmed as the bad, the main bad guy in Justice League. Yeah, and he's it's weird because he's like an underling of Darkseid too. So they're going like they're way inching towards. Yeah, they're like going way into that already. But right. they're going to make more than one Ben Affleck Batman movie. That's like you can write that down. Mm-hmm. They don't need to rush into the Joker yet. He'll be back. Let's, I mean, let's work our way in. Probably as someone different, I'm guessing, other than Jared Leto. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's to be seen down the road. Just as a side note, I guess not a side note, but as a extra point to this, so there's heavy rumors that Joe Manganiello from True Blood and played Flash Thompson in the Spider-Man trilogy. He's also in One Tree Hill and How I Met Your Mother at points. Also ER. So he's been doing a bunch of things. True Blood's probably where you He, he looks him. like Deathstroke, if you know what Slade Wilson looks like from like the comics or cartoon. So he looks the part. Big yeah. dude, whatever. It'll be interesting. Uh, he he doesn't need to be a Will Smith. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. He's behind a mask half the time. Do you think Deadshot will appear in the Batman movie? Possible. Be cool. Possible. Think about it, I'm sure. But yeah, something to keep our eye on. Something exciting. But I think right now we both kind of feel out on DC at the moment. Yeah, I mean, this is promising. This is cool. I like it. We'll see. Yeah, we got time. All right, well, kind of partially music news. Mostly TV news. Both. Donald Glover. Yeah. Who I described as a well hermit with i think was what you texted me you yeah. said the hermit has appeared or something like that no i'm referring to frank Ocean. yeah 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 and i said who charles gambino he said he has a tv show coming out literally next month pat what are you talking about <laughs> and i said well that's true but he also hasn't really done anything he, he's a while. weird guy he is so tell the folks about atlanta yeah don glover has a new show coming out called atlanta on fx coming out tuesday September 6th, so that's what we're talking about now. Because Was it got that 9 p.m. slot? Something like that. Yeah. I think it's a 10-episode order or an 8-episode order. It's a shorter season, which mm-hmm. is very in Perfect. right now, and it's very successful. I like that. It's about, as you can guess, Atlanta area hip-hop enthusiasts, which speaks to Donald Glover's music career as well as his roots in general. It's really interesting. It's the next project from Donald Glover. He's a guy who's expressed time and time again that he likes to move around. That's why he hasn't rapped as Childish Gambino in quite mm-hmm. some time. That's why he left Community in the first place. And before that, that's why he left his writing Gate of 30 Rock. He just likes to do different stuff. And right now he's making a TV show, which is getting good advanced reviews. So I'll be checking that out uh, next week. Alan Seppenwall mentioned that he really thought Atlanta was very well done. At least the episodes he's seen so far. So... If Alan Seppenwall is giving you high praise, it's probably something that you should check out. On to some, I guess, like our main event. Something I know you have some pretty, I don't want to say strong opinions of, but something that you thought very highly of was the night up this week. That's right. The finale. So, in this episode, spoiler alerts, obviously, I think Dave already probably spoiled it for... Do you want me to to bleep that out? (laughs) I can't. No, it's okay. I mean, I, I just feel bad for all... All of our thousands of listeners who don't watch the show yet, you know. What, what can you do? Honestly, I'll get to why, but even if you know what happens, it's still worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in this week's episode, there was a lot of courtroom drama, I guess you could say. A really great scene where Nas actually takes the stand. There was a lot of some, some good questioning. The Undertaker and a- Andrea's stepfather. All the witnesses were called. Yeah, and then... It kind of moved into uh, who done it a little bit, and you kind of get a little bit of closure around who the actual killer was. It was mm-hmm. not Nas, 
and then you kind of get a wrap up on the trial and then you kind of get the after effects so where do you want to start talking about this dave i mean he kind of already touched on it really good stuff when they brought the witnesses forward they kind of brought the multiple red herrings they had dropped with the possible Mm -hmm. suspects they kind of brought that full circle with the undertaker and paul sparks and Dwayne reed so that was I, i liked how they did that I thought the Paul Sparks' banter with Chandra was quite good as they really portrayed him as a douchebag. Uh, douche. <laughs> and especially when she acknowledged that he filed for her estate. Literally li- as soon as he could. As soon as possible after she had passed. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a nice little moment there. But I think the two standout moments for me are when Jeannie Berlin's prosecutor character, what's her name again? Weiss, she cross-examines Nas, which Mm -hmm. is only possible because Chandra decides to put Nas on the stand because she really believes in his innocence, despite John Stone's assertions that it will do more harm than good, which is the truth. It was not good, but the way she just eviscerated him in terms of all the questioning in light of all the evidence, but I really thought that that scene represented us as the viewers what we've been thinking since we first started watching dude you made all these mistakes every mistake in the book Mm -hmm. and even if you're saying you didn't do it you certainly didn't help anything so i'm sorry you're just your story is bad sure and the way she went in on that was i thought was fantastic great scene great acting of course acting all around on this show is fantastic yeah and especially with that scene and i do want to get to the last thing that you thought stood out but the way that she did it a lot of times with the courtroom type dramas, it's very quick. Like you think of Law and Order, where it's yeah. it's very like boom, 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 boom. The show boom. couldn't be more different. But she literally walked up, and you see it from Nas's point of view, pretty much, and you just see her kind of leaning there on the stand, like, so I don't understand. What? And she's talking so soft, yeah, and just so calm. Her and best scene in, slow, in the series really draws it out. It's actually kind of brutal to watch if you're rooting for Nas because you're well, like, she makes oh, him heel turn at the end. God. Because yeah. he realizes that he doesn't know one way or the other. He just really doesn't remember. Yeah, and that points back to what I thought should have been the biggest flaw with Chandra. Because the whole point of this show ends up being that no one comes out of this looking good. No. You know, everybody has their flaws and everybody, they all come out throughout this trial. Mm-hmm. Anyways. I thought Chandra's going to be that she's young still. That she's still developing. She's going to make some bad decisions, trying to push a little bit too much. It ends up... And we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit more, but that ends up being only a small part of a much bigger flaw for Chandra, which we can get to after. I want to hear yeah. what your second scene was. Well, yeah, the second scene, I think, obviously, is John Turturro's monologue from the closing arguments, where he outlines all of the crimes that we did know what happens and then transitions that into what is reasonable doubt. And we kind of predicted that the Chandra kiss scene was designed to bring John Stone to Turo back into the fold for the finale, and that's exactly what happened. But I'm actually, I think the way they wrapped it up handled the kiss better. I still don't like, like what it did for the character, but I think that, I think it, I won't say it was worth it, but that monologue was so fantastic that, you know, I'm more okay with it than I was before. It results in the hung jury, and then you mentioned the whodunit, that leads to why... Uh, Weiss decides not to prosecute uh, further when they need to do a retrial with a new jury. It was a very metaphorical episode in general. I mean, it starts off with 
box sitting in a bar with two people at the end of the bar talking about this stupid idea for a TV show and basically saying cops don't really care. They just want to go to work, go home, sleep with their wife, and go to sleep. Which is highlighted by Box's uh, ex-co-workers who ask right. him, What Why? the fuck are you still doing here? Yeah, and they don't even <laughs> answer his other questions. I was like, get out. And But I feel like the show has always been that for the first sure. seven episodes. So You're, you're right. It, it, wasn't, uh, it didn't stray anywhere, but that... That scene where John Stone has to step up and give the closing, which argument. he didn't want to give, right? But it it was basically it encapsulated the whole situation. People were put into something that they didn't think they were getting themselves into, something mm-hmm. that they necessarily didn't want to be thrown into, but they had to go through anyway. And he was able to come out on top with this in a way. This was a very powerful moment for John Stone, someone that needed a win, like the judge when he initially got got the case said good for you sure so but it I, really didn't change anything for him like, no it didn't up, and that's yeah. that's kind of the whole point where i think yeah. that this is a very I, I found this episode frustrating which i think is probably how it's probably reflective of the overall point of the show is that the criminal justice system is really flawed and very frustrating and no one really comes out of it feeling happy even if you win the case i mean Nas is left with uh, a culture that doesn't accept him, and a neighborhood that doesn't accept him, and a family that doesn't accept him, and he has a heroin di- addiction, or yep. whatever that is. And he's alone. John Stone gets this case, does really well, but he still has taking, eczema. <laughs> he's know? still going back to shaking jail calls. His yep. life hasn't changed at all. Absolutely. Chandra doesn't have a job. Chandra was the one that frustrated me the most. She was so competent for the first six episodes. She carried herself well. Yeah, I feel like she was still an inexperienced but she was confident. Uh, lawyer. And uh, the kiss was obviously something that we talked about. I don't think I was a big fan of it. You seem to be understanding of it. I, I think I think now it's been explained more as, I mean, obviously she regretted it, but she kind of let herself go because she believed more in Nas' innocence. She was hung up on that, and whatever happened, she had the kiss, but that also kind of led to her really wanting and pushing for Nas to be on the stand at the end. And doing something that seemed so far out of character for her. I mean, obviously the kiss is out of her ethical boundaries anyways, but Hmm. to then go and buy drugs and then sneak them into jail in various different ways to Nas. She She wanted him on the stand, man. She did, but that was very frustrating. I didn't feel like they had set that up enough. Didn't didn't seem totally earned or logical for the character I mean, especially after she realized she had made a mistake by kissing him it feels like why is she going back to this I think that she she really thought putting Nas in the stand was the only way that they could win is if he can really prove his innocence and just express that to the jury and the only way to do that was to hook Nas up as he was going through withdrawal so that's what I would think was her thought process because otherwise she was dead in the water in terms of the trial and either way I don't even think that's a huge deal even if you don't like it I don't think that takes away from what made the finale so good well, I thought it was—I thought it was okay. I didn't think the finale was great, and, I, and like I said, it left me feeling frustrated. But I thought that was kind of how I probably was supposed to feel, based on what the overall message of the show seemed to be in a mm-hmm. lot of the points. That it was more about this transformation, and the transformation for everybody was pretty yeah. much sad. It's about crime narratives. It's not about the mystery, right? It's going to get a lot of Emmy love. Yeah, Tutoro sure. will win an Emmy. Limited series nomination, obviously. Tutoro and Riz Ahmed, I think, mm-hmm. are shoe ins. But then from there, you know, Michael K. Williams, Jeannie Berlin, Bill Camp, and even uh, Amara Karan for Chandra, any of them have supporting actor potential. Fan of the show, yeah. Amara Karan. Hitting us up with those Twitter likes. Let us know yeah. if you like our tweets, at Pod. But yeah, it's going to get some Emmy love. But 
My biggest takeaway is that this thing, this show, this miniseries, eight episodes, was conceived as a one-off, and that under no circumstances should there be a season two with these characters. If you want to make an anthology for the sake of carrying the brand and its success, that's fine. That's business. That's what True Detective did. But it makes zero sense to have a sequel with these characters. I don't even want a season two, to be honest. I feel like the overall message of the show, yeah. the point they're trying to get across. I just don't understand what you want out of a season two. Either you, you didn't understand what, what the show was doing. Right. So you want you want to see them get the yeah, get the financial advisor? You want to see Nas <laughs> right. become more of a drug act? Like, it's just a totally different show now. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. Even, even if it's, like, just an anthology series where... Like every season is different. Maybe if even if they're not related, different cities, something like that. I don't. I don't feel like there's any any message that, that could come out of it that would really be as powerful. And a lot of, actually really funny because I realized watching this that, that the judge was the Yellow King from True Detective season one. Oh wow! And I was actually thinking HBO about bench. I was thinking about did what I want a second season, and I was thinking about I don't want. I didn't want a second season of True Detective. I thought the first season was great, and I didn't, I didn't have high hopes for the second season. Well, the second season also had a lot, of, had a lot of turnover at the right. showrunner aspect with Carrie uh, Fukunawa changing. So, I'd have a hard time believing that Richard Price and Steve Zalian would both make season two of The Night of. Especially Richard Price is an author first; he's not a screen a, a telewriter first. You know. However, I think he is working on a show with David Simon for HBO. No, that's Zalian. Oh, Zalian. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I I would be surprised, and I wouldn't want them to make a show without the, those two. Keep right. the showrunners, change R- the other parts. Riz Ahmed basically said that as well to the Hollywood Reporter, which I thought was great. Yeah, this show it was different in the sense that it it was more about the effects of crime and how we think about crime. And it's funny because one of the things people care less know about is we no one really could care less about. Andrea Cornish, the murder victim. <laughs> yeah, we care more about the fate of to Charles Cat. And that's a, that says a lot about how we review crime and how crime relates to us. Turturro's cat reached depth from a uh, Stranger Things level of like <laughs> fan fiction. As long as it's not Barb, right? Yeah. So just kind of to wrap things up, I think next next week I definitely want to touch on Bachelor in Paradise. It's been getting spicy out there in Paradise. Wells back. Yeah, your boy Wells is back. Josh Murray freaking out. It sucks. Nick Vile turned into. Yeah, the the most beloved character on the show. So, Pat, you're you're a 21 Pilots fan, right? Sure. They actually made some big Billboard chart news this week. They are only the third rocked act ever to have simultaneous top five hits with Ride and Heathens. Hmm. And you know who they're joining? Only three people have done this now. Three three rock acts have done this now in the 58 year history of the Billboard Hot 100 the Beatles. Chart. The Beatles is one. I would say Led Zeppelin. Nope. Elvis Presley. It's hard. Okay. They're also only the third okay. duo to have this fate as well, which is Macklemore and Outkast. Macklemore is considered a duo with Ryan Lewis. Yeah, oh, their name is literally Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. I know, but I, I, I would, I have no idea what Ryan Lewis really does. Produces? Is he a DJ? Literally all of the beats. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, okay. guy. I mean, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't give Ryan Lewis any credit. I guess, but it's like a Luna George, a Luna. Does all the vocals, <laughs> and George uh, Drum, whatever George's last name is, he does all of the beats. Basically Fantagram, too. Okay. Yeah, there uh, you hey. go. It's pretty common. <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's all Macklemore, but that, that's beside the point. Good for 21 Pilots. Yeah. I saw them when they were first coming up at Firefly. Guy climbed on top of a stage uh, rafter and was like literally... 40 feet in the air could have fallen to his death no harness it was pretty sweet They're, they've definitely moved to a more commercial sound 
which I can understand. You want to have as much. Did they move to the sound? Because they released that album before they were huge. I think that the tone of the album is much more commercial than their original one. But Twilight Pilots, the biggest, I guess them in the 1975 are the biggest rock acts going right now, which is really sad to say. Rock's really good, guys. Yeah. Killing it. Especially in a year where... Calling 21 Pilots a rock act is also incredibly vague and inaccurate, if you ask me. What are they, alternative? Yeah, they'd be alternative rock. Alternative rock with hip-hop in... But it's not, ra- it's not rap rock. It's not rap. Certainly not. So I don't yeah. know what the hell you call it. If anything, it. I guess you'd say Rage Against the Machine it would be like alternative like hip-hop then too. Because they're very they're sure. similar just because of the style, but they're they're rock still. You yeah. know? But then you get like Limp Bizkit, <laughs> early Linkin Park, you know? Wow, early Linkin Park. But Linkin Park actually had a rapper in it. Yeah, Mike Shinoda. I don't know. Rock makes me sad. Not going to see uh, any of it at the Meadows. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably see the Empire of the Sun, most likely. They're mm-hmm. not a good show. So. Well, yeah. Cuddy comes out for his freestyle over their song. Yeah. Cutter is back. That's a great song. After seeing Rage Against the Machine and well, Prophets of Rage and seeing Tom Morello just shred, being, being one of the greatest living guitarists and seeing him just shred, I was so up on rock. And then when you just told me this, I, I feel very sad right now. So <laughs> we should probably end the pod. Find us at NostalgiaPod on Twitter, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. That's six times today we've mentioned it. So if you can't find us, if you haven't already found us by what you're listening to right now, make sure you drink. We mentioned Kanye many times. Find Dave at Martin Swagger. Me at Sheen World Peace. Shout out the Sweatshop Boys and Riz Ahmed. Also shout out Metal World Peace. We'll see you next week. And this here's been a long round, so I gotta go. It's logic. The one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro? <laughs>